Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us your own through your Son, Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may we be transformed into having the love of Christ, having the mind of Christ, and having the humility of Christ, that we may do all things as he did all things, to, the, to your glory. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> After a long day, whether it be a good day or a bad day or a day of mixed emotions, one of the things that we like to do, as I'm sure many of you like to do, is go home, relax, and watch a movie. Sometimes the movies are good, and sometimes they are not quite so good. But I've noticed different themes and patterns in movies, and often, perhaps, it's the same movie with slightly different characters. And one of the movie themes that I've seen crop up from time to time that I generally enjoy are these coming-of-age movies. Some of them are not so good. But in some of them, you see a young man or a young woman come into their own, become stronger in who they are. Last night, to wind down, we watched one such movie. The main character was a young man who, although obviously very bright, lacked confidence and seemed to be afraid of every single thing that came at him. Of all the people to befriend him, it was a former CIA agent. And as they became closer friends, he found out some of the terrible things that this person had done. And yet they were able to learn from each other and grow from each other. The end of the movie comes with some encouraging words from the agent to the young man. And one of those words was rather fitting for our epistle lesson today. This agent says to the young man, be careful of what you believe and who you believe. St. Paul writes the baby churches again and again throughout Asia and Europe, be careful of what you believe and who you believe. Today, he reminds the Christians in Philippi that they are called, just as you and I are called, to believe in one very specific thing, one very specific person. Believe in Christ. You are called to be defined by him. There's a book by a Christian philosopher called You Are What You Love. And in it, he goes into the various habits that form our heart and mind and hypothesizes that whatever it is you love the most forms who you are. And so that pushes the question, which St. Paul, I think, is asking the Philippians. Who are you? Who are and what do you love? And why are you that way? 
Perhaps most of us don't remember back to the days of coloring books, but perhaps you remember your children or grandchildren coloring in books. And coloring books are an interesting thing, right? Because they're really designed to teach us to be creative. But they in them themselves don't require a whole lot of creativity. And if you give a three-year-old one, you find out that it just requires a lot of scribbling. But eventually, children are supposed to learn to color within the lines, and eventually they create a beautiful little tiger or sheep or something along that line. That wasn't really intended to be a pun, but I think it might have been. <laughs> Coloring books are to teach us to imitate the process of creation, the process of making something beautiful. If you were me, you usually made them into something weird and psychedelic, but that's neither here nor there. But this is what St. Paul calls the Philippian Christians to. He says, brothers, that is, brothers and sisters in Christ, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. St. Paul says, imitate me. Imitate me or imitate those who you know who walk in the grace of Christ. But what does this mean, really? Is St. Paul saying, hey, look, I'm a super awesome Christian and you all should be like me? That is not what he's trying to say. If we go to 1 Corinthians 11, we read a similar statement. He says to the Corinthians, likewise, be imitators of me. But he completes the thought as I imitate Christ. Sometimes I think, especially for us 2,000 years later, it can be so hard to think about how we imitate this Jewish carpenter who walked and was homeless and just kind of hung out with his 12 friends and said really smart things and healed people. I know I certainly haven't healed people, and I usually feel like I haven't said anything very smart at all. And yet St. Paul is calling us, calling you and I, to be imitators of Christ. How can we possibly imitate Christ? He was so, so long ago. He goes on, this, this sentiment of imitating Christ is ultimately at the heart of it. Ultimately at the heart of imitating Christ is to learn to do all things to God's glory. But first, I think Paul recognizes something very simple. It's helpful to see somebody to imitate. Somebody who's closer, somebody whose hand you can hold, and they can walk along with you and say, this is how I walk as a Christian. Now walk with me. But this entire book to the Philippians points back to what it looks like to walk with Christ. If we go back just the chapter before our reading this morning, we have a very well-known passage from the Philippians. In the second chapter, St. Paul writes, <clears throat> So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy 
by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full of accord and of one mind. Do not do anything from selfish ambition, conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not to his own interests, but have the interests as of others. But why should we do this? He goes on to say, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, that is to say he was God, he is the second person of the Trinity. He did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking on the form of a serpent, servant, being born in the likeness of man. That holiday which we're anxiously looking forward to, which seems to be getting decorated earlier and earlier, isn't about those pretty decorations, by the way, which hopefully you all know, but it's about the incarnation of Christ. It's about the fact that the second person of the Trinity became man and dwelt among us. He humbled himself and submitted his human form fully to the form of the Father. And being found in that human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon the cross. Therefore, Crod has highly exalted him bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ died in love on the cross for you and I and is now glorified in the Father. In other words, you and I are called to have the same love as Christ, the self-giving love as Christ. You and I are called to have the same mind as Christ. You and I are called to put on the humility of Christ. I've learned much more about love than I ever expected in the last several months as we have gotten married, I've learned that when I put on my selfish desires, at the end of the day, I feel really icky. But when I put my wife first, I feel so much more love. I experience the love of Christ, and I experience her love in a deep and profound way. So we are called to love our spouses, our children, those who sit in church with us Sunday in and Sunday out, our neighbors and our friends, and yes, even our enemies. We are to have the same love as Christ. We are to have the same mind as Christ. That is, we are to desire what Christ desires. Did you catch what he desires? He desires to glorify God the Father. We are to have his humility, to put others 
before ourselves. But perhaps now you're thinking, that sounds very difficult. In fact, perhaps even impossible. How am I ever to do this? St. Paul, I think, provides us with an answer throughout his writings. And it is that we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. We walk by the power of the spirit living in him, not by our own will, not by our own flesh. To the Galatians, he writes, now the works of the flesh, that is those things that we are to be putting away because we are crucified with Christ. They are self-evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. And perhaps as you read those works of the flesh, or we read those works of the flesh, you think, well, I've never done sorcery. I hope not anyway. But what about some of the other ones? What about jealousy or fits of anger? Drunkenness, perhaps? Envy, perhaps? Jealousy and fits of anger, I think, are perhaps the ones that I struggle the most with, although you do not have to be like me, and it might be a very good thing if you're not like me. But there are different things that are the works of the flesh that we struggle with. And then St. Paul, in this letter, contrasts those works to the works of the Spirit, what it looks like when you are in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, the ability to love our enemies, our neighbors, our friends when they are so frustrating beyond words, that ability comes because the Spirit is transforming you and I. Joy in the face of adversity, peace in the face of trouble, patience in the shadow of frustration, kindness to the weak, the meager, the hungry, and those that, again, annoy us. <clears throat> Goodness, faithfulness to Christ, gentleness, and self-control, these flow from the Holy Spirit. And against these things, Paul tells us, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, that is you and I, have been crucified, have crucified the flesh, and its passions are put to death. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another to envy one another. We can walk in Christ. We can have the love of Christ, the mind of Christ, the humility of Christ, because the Spirit is within us. It is the Spirit that drives us to walk with Him.
Therefore, my friends, imitate St. Paul. Imitate Christ. Practically now, if you struggle with this, find a friend that will walk with you in it, that will encourage you, that will urge you on, that will read scripture with you and pray with you and meet with them daily. If you feel as you, though you are doing well with this, find somebody to pour into, to love and help them to imitate Christ. Ask Christ for wisdom on how to do this. Over the last decade, one of the hardest things I've found in ministry is watching those people who are close friends walk away from the faith. Unfortunately, I've seen this time and time again, and St. Paul has thought this apparently as well. He writes, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, Walk as enemies of the cross. The things I've noticed is that there are two groups of people that leave. There are those who have been overcome with doubt, and they don't know how to respond to it. And there are those who leave in anger. Seeing the church behave as they feel the church should not behave, and perhaps their criticism is good. After or during even my first seminary experience, I struggled with such doubt. I take a certain amount of pride, by the way, that's very sinful of me. I take a certain amount of pride in thinking myself to be a relatively intelligent person. And to my shame, I've read and learned about certain things, and it was said to me, if you want to be an intelligent person, you will believe these things. There were ways in which we read scripture which diminished its authority. And I let that seep in and form my life. And eventually I felt it corroding away, not only at my intellectual life, but at my moral life. And then one day I remember I remember where I was on the street, walking down the street, and having this overwhelming feeling, this overwhelming thought. You are to either follow Christ and believe every jot and tittle of his word, or don't bother. If you ever wonder why I take scripture so seriously, and I hope in all sincerity that you do see that within me, that moment is why. It took years upon years of rebuilding my faith, of being reminded of Christ's goodness, of being shown how true and faithful the word of God is. But it took time. And now I truly do believe that this is the inspired, infallible, and inerrant word of God. And it is to be trusted and believed. I've seen more than enough evidence to believe that. But if you met me in that season that was darker than perhaps I ever realized, how would you have responded to me? How are you to respond to your spouse, to your friend, to your sibling, 
to your son or daughter or grandchild who is struggling and doubting. So often I even find within myself, well, I overcame this. Why can't you? But that is not the answer. The answer is first and foremost, be firm in your own understanding. But then listen and respond with compassion. Listen and respond, being sure that you know the truth, but love and be gracious to those who doubt and to those who struggle. Our call is not to always win the battle, but it is to be gracious and to love those whom Christ sends into our lives. And when you do meet with that friend or sibling or family member, whoever they may be, don't expect that to be one conversation, but weeks of tenderly caring for them. But then St. Paul turns, and as he said to be imitators of us, he also reminds us that we, that not to be imitators of those who have embraced the flesh. For he says of them, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. It begs a question for us. It begs the question, what are your desires? What is your glory? What is your mind on? Is, it my, is your mind, your glory, or desires on earthly things, or is it of Christ? Now, in order to fully understand this, we must understand the Philippian situation. It was a little city in northeastern Greece, which you probably know is quite a bit away from Rome itself. But like Guam, or perhaps Hawaii, or Puerto Rico, or Alaska, the citizens of Philippi enjoyed all the privileges of being citizens of the Roman Empire. Normally when Rome would come in, they would send their own governor in and boom, you'd be part of Rome, but not really a citizen. But the Philippians were truly Roman citizens, just as those who live in Hawaii are truly citizens of the United States with full vote and rights, just as you and I have. <clears throat> and for them, this was a thing of pride. But another point that St. Paul is continually trying to make in his gospel is to be first a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And he writes, be, but our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wants to remind them that all of this that he's led up to is that they would be good citizens of heaven, good citizens doing their best to glorify God by living in the Holy Spirit, by imitating Christ by the power of the Spirit, by rejecting the way of flesh, which is death. And he concludes, Christ will transform our your lowly body to be like the glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. We are called 
to become Christ-like, to have union with Christ, that we may experience not the glory of this earth, but the glory of the heavenly kingdom. For all this, St. Paul wants the Philippians. St. Paul wants you. St. Paul wants me to imitate him because he imitates Christ. He wants us to imitate other mature Christians so that we would imitate Christ having Christ's love, having the mind of Christ, having the humility of Christ. Doing all of this by the power of the Holy Spirit who transforms you and me and unites us to Christ. For we are citizens first and foremost of the kingdom of heaven, which is where our glory resides. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.